There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look, then you will see On WCN-TV Hi, friends. Thank you for joining me today here on WCN-TV. Pastor Mike sitting in for Rob Pugh. 11 million people. That's a staggering amount, isn't it? 11 million people died of systematic state-sponsored genocide at the hands of the Nazi regime. Now, we're familiar with figures such as 6 million Jews were murdered uh, under the Nazi regime, but 11 million people. Now, I know there's, uh, there's a lot of controversy about that today. People are Holocaust deniers, if you will. But here's, here's a fact, friends. History doesn't lie. History does not lie. And the historical facts of what happened during that period of Hitler's reign of terror are beyond controversy. I am pleased to welcome to WCN-TV pastor, author, researcher, Dr. Johnny Teague to discuss his new book, The Lost Diary of Anne Frank. Now, some of you are familiar uh, with the name Anne Frank and, and the fact that she uh, wrote a diary that that miraculously, and I'll just say by the hand of God, was <laughs> uh, was to edify and equip and encourage the body of Christ today. And some, some might wonder, well, how in the world is that possible since Anne Frank was a Jew? How could she? Well, Dr. Johnny's got an answer for that, and we're going to touch on that in our conversation today. So, Johnny, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a blessing to be with you, Mike, and your great audience. Amen. Amen, brother. So, um, the Holocaust, as I pointed out, didn't just take the lives of Jews. There were many, many other millions, in fact, of other demographics that were impacted heavily by Hitler's atrocities, weren't they? Yes, sir. Absolutely. It was a wholesale slaughter. Of course, it was focused on the Jewish people to begin with. Mm -hmm. And um, mainly Hitler, along with so many others, blamed the the hardships of the world upon the Jewish people, 
a lot of the hardships the government had caused themselves and needed a scapegoat, kind of like when Nero was killing Christians in the 60 AD. And uh, But no, many were killed. Generally, anyone who opposed Hitler at some point, if they were vocal enough, found themselves in a death camp as well. Yes, yes. And I want to point out uh, to our to our viewers, those who have joined us um, for this conversation, that, uh, and I'm, I'm going to go off a of memory here, Johnny. I think the last diary entry that Anne Frank made was uh, August the 1st of 44. Is that correct? That is, it was in August, you're right, August uh, 1st, or no, August 4th, I believe, 1944, okay. but you're right. Yes, and then, so so you filled in that that time from, from August of 44 to February, March of 45, I believe. Yes, sir. When, when we, we suspect, based on, on your research, and I want you to talk about that in just a moment, um, you filled that in what it would likely have said, what she likely experienced based on your research. And Johnny, I was impressed with your research. You, you went to a couple of different places, and I'll let you explain all of the places you went and where you were able to, um, to gather your research for this book is rather impressive. Well, thank you so much. You know, when I ran the, read the Anne Frank book as a young man in, our, in my home school in Glen Rose, Texas, I was just enamored uh, by her life, uh, enamored by all the things that the Jewish people faced. And I made a commitment early on at a young age that I was going to visit the Anne Frank house, that I was going to go to Auschwitz, that I was going to learn more about it. And so I began to do that. And when I got old enough to, to travel, uh, I went to Anne Frank's house, uh, I went to Auschwitz. And the more I went, I went to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. I made four trips to Israel and went to Yad Vashem and studied the Holocaust there. And God just seemed to open up so many more avenues for me to study at Dachau. Two more trips to Auschwitz. I got to meet eyewitnesses and survivors of the Holocaust. And um, it was just it was just breathtaking. And it was just uh, it was like I was a guy who had never drank any water and I was thirsting for everything I was finding. And so uh, everything that uh, I wrote was based on research. It's written in Anne Frank's voice uh, because I wanted to make it as personal and a continuation of her diary. Uh, so it's called a novel because of that. But everything we put there was based on what we found in our research. Yes. So um, was there anything that sticks out, Johnny, that was a real... Uh, eyebrow raiser for you that perhaps you, you hadn't realized before and it was like, oh my, or aha. I think when you look at the daily lives of people in the death camp of Auschwitz or in the death camp of Bergen-Belsen, just the little things like using the restroom, uh, the little things like uh, crowding on a bunk and sleeping at night, the fleas and the dust that flew up. I mean, there's just so many just small details that kind of get gleaned over. But when you research it and you study there, you find a lot more about what it was like to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. And one of those things that sticks out in my mind now after having um, read the book um, 
is the the uh, well, we would call them to be polite, uh, bio break, and mm. so th they would be they would be allowed to go to the restroom uh, in in groups, and the way that you described um, the facilities, mm. it, it was just a head shaker to me. Mm. Uh, so so foul and um certainly uh disease riddled mm -hmm. uh, we don't think about those kinds of small things when when we're thinking about the concentration camps and the and atro atrocities that they uh the germans the nazis put uh, the jewish people under as well as other 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 groups of people mm -hmm. we, we don't think of those things we don't and even you know we know they got tattooed those who went to the right side of the line. The ones who went to the left went to the gas chambers when they did their separation, when the train cars came in. But we, we read they, you know, they, they got tattooed. We've, we've seen tattoos of survivors, but to actually study how they, how they had to uh, disrobe and how they had to be shaved and then how they had to, to sign in and be given a number and then given the tattoo. And uh, it, it's just, the details are just horrifying. And that's why I think a lot of us just want to kind of glean over it. But uh, we really need to grasp what uh, depravity humanity is capable of. Yes, yes. And that, uh, that really, in, in, in my view, um, makes the book, packs a very powerful punch. I'll say it that way. Uh, when, you, when you flesh out those little details that, that, that we don't even, the description, like you said, of them receiving their tattoo um, and then being told from this point forward, this is your identity and given yeah. a number. Yeah. Um, just, just amazing. Yeah. Um, and you present Anne and, and what life was like for her in that, in that, uh, well, less than a year after she was uh, uh, discovered and, and carted off, you describe Anne as uh very honest, open, mm -hmm. uh, but but an imperfect person. You you don't present her as as some kind of uh, angel on a pedestal, but yeah. you just discuss her life as it really was. Well, and that's the thing. As an interviewer asked me a while back, what would you say is the most eye-opening thing about Anne herself? And uh, the answer is she was a typical teenage girl. And that's something I think we lose in the in the story and the history of Anne Frank. She was imperfect. She did have those teenage rebellious thoughts and that uh, disdain for her mom's orders. And uh, it, it really, uh, she was very typical. And we make sure that's very clear in her diary. So we made sure that as we visit with eyewitnesses and survivors, we stayed true to who Anne was all the way to the end. Yes, yes, and they, Anne and her family, and um, I think a neighborhood dentist, mm -hmm. and uh, another family, of course, she she renamed them to protect them in case yes. the diary was ever discovered, but, yes. but, but you tell us who those people are. Um, they were able to remain hidden, and this is just amazing to me, um, in a secret chamber, in their house mm -hmm. that their father had the amazing foresight to yeah. construct and prepare because he saw what was happening and he knew eventually they would come 
or he and his family, yeah. they were able to to remain hidden um, for two years. Yes. And that's what's what's amazing is, you know, when you read Anne Frank's diary by her own hand, you read about the 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 fear and the the whole change of life to stay undiscovered in that annex. And they really thought things were horrific there and they were, but then you follow it. They always had that dread. What if we get arrested? What if we get in a train car? What if what they say about the death camps are true? And when they were arrested, uh, they, they quickly, at first, it seemed like things are going to be fine. And we cover that when she's in the transit camp at Westerbork. Things were somewhat normal life. You were covered with, with the barbed wire. You had duties. But there was a sense of normalcy uh, as much as you could have under Nazi um, supervision. But it's when they went to Auschwitz that every fear they had uh, was was shown to be true and then worse than what they had dreamed. Yes. Yeah. The idea of evil um, is interpreted in a lot of different ways. And there are even some who who believe that evil doesn't actually exist. Right. Now, that's that's puzzling to me, to say the least. But how how would you define evil based on your findings, Johnny? Man, I tell you what, when we leave God, and the Nazi regime clearly uh, not only left God, but they turned their fists against God. There is no limit to how evil man can be. And we saw the Nazi regime, Mingala in particular, they were creating ways to yeah. be evil. And you could clearly just see Satan in the shadows uh, just pulling the strings and seeing what humanity can do to people who God created with a purpose, and not just Jewish people, everyone that fell under their, their thumb. But I just, you can't even describe the evil. We try to do our best. We, we depict it as much as possible. And I want to make sure your audience knows that as you read the book, The Lost Diary of Anne Frank, you will get the sober realities of what they face. And, and just to answer your question too, Mike, I really believe the Nazis shaved the heads, put them all in common clothing so that it could remove the humanity. Because even uh, an evil person at some point has to come to, to reality, I am doing this to another human being. So if they could make the Jewish people and the other victims look less human, there was no limit to what they would do to them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Johnny. I think all of the, the things that they put them through um, to just destroy um, any self-confidence, any any hope, mm -hmm. um, it really was, as, as, and I forget who, who coined this phrase, but it was uh, indoctrination into hopelessness. Mm -hmm. So conditioning them to, to just give up all hope. Yeah. Um, Annie never did. I, I was grateful to, to, to as I was reading this and never gave up hope, um, even in spite of her circumstances. Um, but now she was around a lot of folks that, that, that said, where is God in all of this? How can God be real? How can God how can we be his people and uh, and be experiencing this this 
kind of thing. Now, as a pastor, <laughs> you've got an answer for that already. And so how would you respond to people who say, well, where was God in the Holocaust? Where was God in this or in that? I'll tell you, when we wrote, when I wrote the book, I made sure that I wrote it from Anne's complete viewpoint, not as a, a pastor in the United States, but I tried to stay completely true. And one of the things that you find from Anne Frank, both from her diary and then from what survivors and eyewitnesses said, she had a grasp of God. And when others would be going through the question, why is God making me go through this? And Frank always tended to realize that it's not God doing this to us. It is humanity. It is evil that is doing this to us. And in the camps, Anne would see, and that's why this book, The Lost Hour of Anne Frank, it covers the, the atrocities, but it also shows the light and the hope that God has instilled in us. And uh, But Anne saw God's favor, even in the worst conditions. And I think that no matter what your audience goes through, no matter what I go through, no matter how bad things can be, I think that we can still see God there. God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. He was also with Stephen when he was stoned. Um, God is there, and God works everything for good. And with the grasp of eternity, knowing that we do have a great reward coming in life everlasting, it really can bring us through what we face. And I believe it's what Anne Frank held to. I think it's what Otto Frank held to and her whole family. Yes. Yeah. And of course, Anne, as you describe in the book, and, and again, friends, I'm speaking with uh, pastor, author, researcher, Johnny Teague, Dr. Johnny Teague, the loss of diary of Anne Frank. Anne held on to this, this great hope and, and conviction that she was going to be a journalist one day. And she yeah. was going to be the best journalist that, that was out there anywhere. She had a passion for writing, and that, that is evident in, in her diary. Um, and I think she held on to that hope that one day she would achieve um, that goal. Johnny, can you give us a little background? We've talked about a number of things already, but could you give us a little bit of background about Anne and, and what made her unique among her peers as a 15-year-old? As a well, Anne, of course, she was typical. And like any typical teenager, each one has a personality. Some are somewhat dour and always looking at the bad stuff. Some have uh, just kind of middle of the road goes for their lives. Anne was one of those typical teenagers who really reached for the moon, who shot for the stars, mm -hmm. who wanted to be a famous journalist, who wanted to be a great writer. And that's why even in the annex, she was practicing her skill and she always believed that there's a great plan for her and she just got to live it out and when we look at the lost diary of Anne frank and we look at the clothes at her death and we look at the very conclusion the beauty of Anne frank's life is she became everything she dreamed to be and so much more and we find her rallying the many people women much older than her in the bunk. Sometimes they would play games like 
who am I to remember I'm not a number? I'm the daughter of Otto and Edith Frank. I'm the sister of Margot. I have a crush on a boy named Peter. There, there were these, these things that Anne would do and others for sure, coping mechanisms to hold their sanity, to keep reaching, to keep believing, to keep uh, looking for de deliverance. And, and I think that is unique because not everybody has that, but Anne Frank definitely did. Yes. Amen. And that's, that's a good, uh, a good lesson for us as believers today to never give up hope, always hang on to the goodness of the Lord, regardless of the circumstances that we're in. And I know that's, it's easier said than done uh, in a lot of cases. Um, I mentioned earlier that Anne and her family and, and a couple of other uh, families hid from the Nazis for two full years, which again is just amazing to me. They were able to pull that off because they would have had needs such as such as food, and somebody had to go out to the grocery store and 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 other physical needs. Um, do you know from your research how they were discovered, Johnny? That is the greatest uh, mystery, I suppose, that surrounds the Anne Frank arrest. And there's been a recent book that came out that made uh, a certain accusation. I, I really don't fall in with, with what that writer believed. Anne Frank and her family clearly discussed in Westerbork when they were all together, who turned us in? And so in The Lost Diary of Anne Frank, I go through every scenario. I chase every potential um, perpetrator. And, and I come to a conclusion in the book that I feel is very well grounded, that makes the most sense on how Anne Frank and her family were discovered. And I believe that anyone who reads the book, one, you're going to be surprised at how they were found and I think you'll also be uh, a little shocked at um, at how I believe they were actually discovered. And uh, it, it was, but it was clearly a question all the way through Auschwitz, all the Bergen Belsen, who turned us in, who would hate us this much, who would be so um, inconvenienced by us that we would that they would turn us into our enemies. But I believe that the uh, that the um, solution I propose is probably the most likely uh, culprit. Man. So you got to get the book folks to find out, <laughs> get the book, the lost diary of, of Anne Frank, Dr. Mm -hmm. Johnny Teague. So why, uh, why do you think most people are, are, you know, grasping for more, the diary ends, um, and uh, I think it was August the 1st, the you diary. Right. I was no explanation. Yeah. So pe that frustrates people. Yeah. They say, oh, but what? What happened? We want to know more. Yeah. Well, and that was me. I, I, want, I, I don't want, I mean, I know Anne Frank died at Bergen-Belsen. I knew that when I read the, the diary of Anne Frank. And I'm like, all right, so we had this beautiful, sweet girl in an annex for over two years. We got to know her. We got to relate to her. And then we, and then her diary ends. All right. So we know what, we know she died, but if we, 
we, we walked through her life for two years and we want to find out all right, what did Anne face? You, you, you get this love for her when you read her diary mm-hmm. and you want to, you want to be able to be there with her. You were with her in the annex. You want to be with her with what she went through. And so I, I think that's just human nature. And that's what drove me to write this. And then, uh, I, I was at uh, Auschwitz on one of my trips and they locked me in. I was there too long. I was studying, I was writing, I was uh, researching and I got stuck uh, near the ash pits on the other side of the crematorium. And it was late at night and it was dark. And I thought, I don't know, I guess I thought there'd be a bell or something to say they've closed. I, I looked up, it's dark. I realized I'm the only guy in Auschwitz. I walk all the way to that famous gate where the trains go through and and nobody's there. And I was locked in Auschwitz and uh, I was panicked. I banged on the door of the guardhouse. No one answered, no, no motion. I walked the whole perimeter of Auschwitz. There was no way out. And I was panicked and, and I knew there was no Nazis around. I knew I wasn't going to be killed. But it was really that that made me really come to grasp a little bit, just a fraction of what it was like for Anne Frank to be there. And when I described what happened to me to my wife, when finally a guard heard me yelling and, and, and let me out, a Polish guard, he didn't speak English. And so I was, I was out after three or four hours trying to get out. But it was really that moment and then describing to my wife that really made me realize Everyone needs to really know what Anne Frank, the one we love, went through at Auschwitz and Bergen-Belsen. Yes. Yeah. Do you believe that, um, well, I'll let you describe it based on your research, but um, she mentions Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that she came to faith in Christ? I, I have no idea. I've been the the one criticism I've gotten on this book is from some who are more devout in the Jewish faith, saying, "Why are you mentioning Jesus?" Anne Frank was Jewish. Well, if you know Anne Frank's history, you'll know in her diary she references the fact that they never really and the, and, and she felt convicted by this, but they never really were that active with the, with the Jewish holidays, though they were strong Jewish, but her dad Otto wanted them to have a more rounded view. And for some reason, and she mentions in her diary, a PIM, which is what she calls her daddy, PIM wants to get us a new Testament so we can learn about Jesus. And you, you just know, and, and she dealt with, with Jesus, I think twice in her diary, uh, no faith, uh, just just relating to how Pim wanted her to know about him, to be able to relate to him, to know how to handle suffering, how to handle opposition. But for some reason, Otto Frank wanted her and Margot to have a New Testament. So when we carry over into Auschwitz and Bergen-Belsen, you just know that when you are in the fires of persecution, the First thought would be mine if I were Jewish. Where's my Messiah? Where's my deliverer out of this? And so Anne deals with that. You know, where's our Joshua? Where, where's our David? Where, where's the one who's going to 
delivers from this? Where's that Messiah that we we look for, that we we remember at Passover? Where is that Messiah? And so it's natural that Anne Frank or, or any Jewish person will be starting to consider where's our Messiah. Mm-hmm. And knowing that her dad wanted to be exposed to Jesus to read the New Testament, Margot seemed a little bit more involved in that aspect. Uh, I, I work with what I've studied, uh, her consideration, is Jesus the Messiah? Was he the Messiah? But I don't make any answer because this book is to be factual and not to go off some uh, notion that I have. But I do yeah. deal with the honest contemplation of Messiah and of Jesus uh, in, in those concentration camps. Yes. Yeah. And that's a great connection to Jesus, um, Mm -hmm. considering his, um, suffering, um, his perseverance through, through his, his mission Mm -hmm. um, for humanity. Uh, I think Anne most certainly connected those dots and considered Jesus as a, um, as a role model and the least for how to handle the situation um, that she is in. And I think there's great value in that for Christians today who will read your book and, and, and see how Anne handled all that. Um, and she did so remarkably. Well, and she was involved with, there were Christians in the camp uh, who were prisoners. Uh, I deal with one moment in the, in the book where a Christian prisoner says the Lord's prayer every Sunday night. And before long, many in the barrack learn the Lord's prayer. And stepping outside of Anne Frank as a pastor and as a Christian, I believe firmly Jesus is the Messiah. And I pray that Anne Frank uh, uh, received him as her savior. But just like when you have a relative who dies, who was never in church and you never had that visit with them, you never can emphatically say, I know my great uncle is in heaven. You just pray they do. But we, we always have to be honest uh, as people of the word that we don't add to or take from and we don't create things to fit some narrative. But uh, but clearly, Anne Frank and many Jewish people who went through that those horrors asked those questions. And the thought of Jesus was near to Anne because Otto wanted her to know about it. Yes. Amen. So she she was at uh, Auschwitz, as you mentioned. Where else was she? She was died there? in Bergen-Belsen. She went from Westerbork, the transit camp, to Auschwitz. And then she was transported with Margot to Bergen-Belsen. Her mom wound up dying in, in Auschwitz and uh, starving. She was feeding her kids, not eating. She was greatly grieved, greatly worried. She was glad they were out. But she actually suffered at Bergen-Belsen. Uh, the camp of Bergen-Belsen was divided into two camps. One side was protected and provided by the Red Cross. The other side was not. Anne and Margot were kept, sadly, on the side that did not get Red Cross packages. And it was at Bergen-Belsen where their, their duties were a whole lot easier. But I think the better description was Auschwitz was the death camp. Bergen-Belsen was the dying camp. Uh, when you were when you were there, you had to do some work, but um, generally you just died there, and that's where she wound up uh, dying. And um, 
Auschwitz, of course, in, in you, you mentioned between one and 1.6 million people were murdered um, there uh, intentionally. That was the difference between Auschwitz and Bergen-Belsen. There, there, they just worked you to death. Yeah. Am I understanding that correctly? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So you write that um, the only concern that many inmates had was was for survival. You mentioned um, Anne's mother refusing to eat, giving her food to to her children. And of course, that led to her to her death. And so constantly day after day after day, the thought was, how am I going to survive today? Yeah, absolutely. That that in fact that's one of the things that Anne grappled with in Auschwitz and Bergen-Belsen. This this thought that, and I think everyone who's listened is the same. When we're going through a hard time, we always look for we know that tomorrow is coming. We know mm-hmm. that uh, you know, when you're working at your job and you hate your job, you know quitting time is coming. When you're in school and you hate going to school, you know 12th grade is coming. And so there is this self-coping mechanism we have where we just look forward to a day that we know is coming. If you're single, you long to get married if, if, if you're in that way. And so you look for that day. But Anne Frank has to deal with the fact that they're really, other than the deliverance, someone coming and rescuing them, the Russians, the, the Americans, somebody coming to, to free them or the Nazis being defeated, Anne and Margot at Bergen-Belsen settle into this reality we just have to get through today and we've got to stay together and stay alive today. And I, I think that is the, 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 the biggest thing. And, and I think that's probably for us too, you know, don't worry about tomorrow, what tomorrow bring today has enough trouble in itself. We just got to get through today and honor God in it. Yes. Amen. Amen. You mentioned a phrase that I thought was interesting, deconstructing escapade deconstructing escapade what what does that mean for our viewers well what they were doing is they were making the jewish people and all those who are victims in auschwitz i think when they use that phrase to do stupid uh monotonous chores just to to tear them down now sometimes they got value out of what are their out of what their victims did but a lot of times it was senseless things like move rocks from one side of the camp to the other. And then when you get them all moved, move those rocks back to the other side. And there's this constant um, dehumanizing who they are. And so it's just, it's just literally, it was a purpose of just tearing them down. And you almost think Adolf Hitler did that purposely. He hated the Jewish people in particular so much, you know, he could have just taken them all to the gas chambers on those, uh, train cars, but for some reason there was a joy in the torment, and also Mingala, the the doctor believed there were there were medical experiments they could they could do on Jewish people, and if it hurt them, it didn't matter. But it was just deconstructing, just tearing them down. Yeah, yeah. Now, one of the one of the heartbreaking things, and there were many as you read through this, you. You're, you're, you're naturally going to consider yourself in that situation. How would I respond? How would I, um, it, it's just tough to read through this. And, and the, and the, the one thing that I went, uh, and just shook my head when I read was that 
she almost survived. She almost lived to see the liberation uh, of those that were that were in uh, the camps. And of course, that came in 1945, and and uh, it was just what months before that she had passed. Yeah, she died of typhus right before the liberation. Thankfully, her dad Otto lived to survive it. But um, yeah, the the rescue came. She almost made it but um she didn't and and that is what's so heartbreaking and the things that margo went through when she died her sister died right before Anne died and Anne had to nurse her and care for her she was reunited with their best friend from childhood in bergen belson who just happened to be on the red cross side and and so you get to see that that reunion but it's such a sad reunion and you get to see your friend care for Anne after Margot dies, and then and then we follow Anne to her to her death. But you're right. I, I think that it's tragic, period. Yeah. But it is tragic if she could have just lived just a little longer. Yes. Yes. What a what a story that would have been. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you know what? In God's providence, her story lives on, and she's had an impact on millions and millions of people, um, no doubt more than she ever imagined, mm -hmm. have uh, read her diary, read her story. I think this is something, it's a statement for us and for our, our lives and our testimony and our legacy, if we could, if we could phrase it that way, that um, press into the Lord, allow him to direct our paths, be faithful to him, and he's going to do what only he can to impact the lives of other people. Amen. Amen. That's that life just surrendered to him. I, I used the phrase with the church uh, Saturday. We had a little eight-year-old boy got killed in a car wreck from our church. Mm. And it was just tragic. And so we, we looked at David losing his little boy with Bathsheba. And we talked about the who knows prayer. And David prayed for God to rescue his son. And when the servants were trying to understand, why are you eating now? Why are you dressed now that he's dead? And David said, you know, when my son was dying, I prayed for God to, to raise him up. Who knows? He may, have, he, he may have delivered him. And I think a lot of times we bring those who knows prayers where we are. But we know that, again, God, if, if life is not eternal, then the tragedies of Anne Frank are purely that, in the end, just complete tragedy. But if there's life eternal, and there is, and if there are rewards beyond this one, and if this is just the introduction to eternity, then, then we can honestly say, it's worth it. And Frank deals with that. I don't know if you remember the Catholic priest who was killed at Auschwitz. He took the, the place of somebody else and um, he was killed for it. And Anne amuses over it in her mind about why would someone expedite death for somebody else? And her comfort was because this man earnestly believes there is life after this one and if there's life after this one, then everything else we can look at it more with God's purpose and wanting to fulfill that purpose. 
Amen. Now there is an enduring truth from this book, friends. <laughs> Dr. Johnny Teague, The Lost Diary of Anne Frank. That uh, that's a good way to to wrap it up, uh, Johnny. Um, there, because life has purpose in God's economy, it matters how we live our lives right now, today, in space and time. There is a testimony for Christ that really does echo in eternity. How we live and 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 how we how we share Christ and tell others about Him. Uh, will impact their lives, perhaps even long after we've left this earth. Amen. 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 Well, well, Johnny, I appreciate you joining me today. I'm looking forward to uh, circling back and and um, having you on the show to discuss your book on Washington when it comes out. Thank you. I can't wait to visit with you about it. It's The Lost Diary of George Washington. It comes out in February. Washington kept a copious diary until the Revolutionary War started. He didn't restart it again until after Yorktown or at Yorktown when we were getting our victory. And Washington's first entry in his diary was, quote, I wish I would have kept my diary throughout the war. So oh, wow. I gathered all his papers, I went to all the camps, and I reconstructed from his orders, his letters, I reconstructed his diary. Oh, boy, that's going to be a fabulous, fabulous book. <laughs> uh, look forward to receiving that and reading it for sure. Thank you. You're very welcome. Folks, that's all we've got today. Uh, if you're interested in this, and I, I I encourage you to get the book. Fantastic read. Um, you can go to, oh, there it is right there, History of Books. And there is the website, Lost Diary of Anne Frank, a historical novel. If you like history, you're going to love this book. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time here on WCN-TV. God bless you. Thank mm -hmm. you.